listen to and for the word of the Lord as Jesus is in his final day, and he has just finished the trial with Cephas, the leader of the Jewish nation. And listen to John 18, 28 through 37, as I read and you can follow in the worship guide. Jesus' trial before Cephas ended in the early hours of the morning. Then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers didn't go inside because he would defile them and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. So Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, What is your charge against this man? We wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal, they retorted. Then take him away and judge him by your own law, Pilate told them. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone, the Jewish leaders replied. This fulfilled uh, Jesus' prediction about the way he would die. Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Jesus replied, this is your own question, or did others tell you about me? I am a Jew. Pilate re retorted, um, your own people and their leading priest brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so you're a king. Jesus responded, you say I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into this world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. The word of the Lord. I have been sharing with you a uh, series this month that we have called You Are. And in that series, we basically have one simple answer with two words. And what is that answer with two words? You are... No, not, no, 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 no. You are in, in Christ. That's the lesson. I've been repeating this. You are in Christ. And it's not grievous, it is not grievous for me to repeat this thing, says the Apostle Paul. For it is good for you to listen to them again, says Paul. Okay? So, in Christ, then you are a chosen people. In Christ, then you are a royal priesthood. And in Christ, is our topic for today, then you are a holy nation. Okay? Notice that I did not say we are in a holy nation. I said you are a holy nation. Okay? Very different things. Okay? So we have used this little ship inside the bottle as our metaphor, as our anchor image on how safe, 
how assured, how good it is to be in Christ, right? And, and as I was thinking of the metaphor last week, I realized that if we are in Christ and Christ is this ship, you know, this bottle here, Lisa, then you and I are in the boat. We're in the boat. We're on the cruise. Oh, my gosh, that was me. It's me doing all that stuff. See, but that's the idea. So, as I speak today and, 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 and as the preacher next Sunday speaks, uh, uh, which is, she's here today. Kathy, are you here? Kathy's there. She'll be uh, uh, teaching next week, so please come and listen to her amazing teaching. Uh, uh, be reminded that the whole month I've been teaching two words, and those two words are in Christ. And we've been using those two words as Peter has been teaching us the whole metaphor, the whole idea of a building. But Peter says that we are not like the other people. He says we are a chosen race. How many of you have an old King James at home? Very good. I want you to look at it because in this verse there is a word that King James uses that this one doesn't use, but I like it. It says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And King James adds a peculiar people. Remember that one? When you were preached upon being peculiar, unique, separate, apart. That's the concept of a holy nation. That you as a believer, you are set apart. But we'll get into that a little bit more. Set apart. In the last two weeks, uh, let me go back before I dig deeper into that. We have been sharing the whole idea that our identity is not based on what mom or dad or stepdad or stepmom is not based on what so-called teacher in her moment of losing it or in her moment of not wisdom shared with you. It is not even, your identity is not even based on what you truly think of yourself. Your identity should and is based on who God says you are. And elementary speaking, the first thing we learn about who we are in God or who God turns us to become is that we are children of God, right? And we stay there. But we're a lot more than that. We are chosen. We are a holy nation. We are a royal priesthood so that we can walk around with our crowns, like last week we were royal priesthood, so that we can walk around with our crowns, brag to other people that I am better than you. By the way, let me tell you, where did that happen really historically? In South Africa. Uh-huh. There you go, Lisa. Yeah. She you know history? You know, the Dutch reformers, the Dutch reformers, those who are staunch, good old Calvinists went down to South Africa with the idea that we were the white chosen one and they were not part of it. That's why apartheid developed. I'm supposed to say this louder. That's why apartheid developed. <laughs> okay? That's the history of the whole thing. It started with an interpretation of that verse that stayed particularly after he says, and God's own people. 
We stuck there. We are proud. But guess what happens? The verse continues and says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were a people without mercy, once you were a people without God, now you are a people with a new identity. Now you are a people with mercy. So you see this uh, erroneous, self-centered, racial, ethnic power thing is not what we're talking about. We're talking about that we are the children of God. And that they come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And this particular congregation is committed to continue to proclaim that our identity is not on what society says, but our identity is in who God says we are. Secondly, God calls us to be priests so that we may continue the ministry of Jesus. Simple. That was last week. We are kings and priests, not so that we can pride ourselves, but so that we can do sacrifice. When I was with the Curleys last night, uh, uh, they were in a very difficult decision. You know how it is. No, I don't know if you know how it is. But because of my career, I tend to fall in these places too often for my own taste. Being with a family there. When a loved one is nibbling at the river to be the other side with a loved one. And this is a healthy family because they all believe in Jesus Christ. There's a very deep-seated faith in that family. That's a gift that Judy gave them. As I was discussing with Jim, he pointed at her. She was responsible for that. I encouraged her, but she was the main leader in that. That was bringing Jesus to the whole family. And I had to share with them that giving her up was also a gift. Couple opened their eyes. That letting her go was a gift. A gift of grace and a sacrificial gift because it hurts. But nonetheless, it's a gift of grace. And as I left, there were painful, sad smiles as they knew what was coming. Strong people, that our faith should be that way. It's my expectation that we can face that moment and be witnesses to everyone around, not by saying hallelujah, amen, but by knowing that we belong to God. Thirdly, uh, this week I want to share with you that God calls us a priest so that we can continue the ministry of Jesus. But in Christ, we are a holy nation. Holiness, in the first place, does not always have to do with moral perfection. It has to do with that, but not always. In the Old Testament, when we talk about holiness, it's the idea of being set apart. Do you get it? Being set apart for a particular purpose, particularly by God, is what makes us holy. Oh, we know we ain't. But God sees us in that way because God has set us apart. And God sets us apart not because God wants to punish us. God sets us apart because God wishes to develop the character of Christ 
within us. And as we are set apart, as we are unique, as we are separated in our thinking, in our ways, in our speech, in our attitudes from the rest of the world, reminds me again the speech from Romans, that, you know, uh, not to be conformed, not to be like this world, but to renew our way of thinking so that our way of living will also change. Romans 12, 2. You see, the furnishing in the temple were also considered holy. Not because they were furniture that were holy. No. They were considered holy because they were set apart to be used for holy purposes. And they acquired their holiness not because they were in this building seven days a week, 365, but because the use, the function that was given at that moment. So we can have all these symbols around here, and none of it is holy. If I were to ask you this morning, what is the holiest thing in this building right now? Exactly. Not only her, <laughs> you, all of us. Let me ask you again, and I hope the answer is me, myself, and I. That's cheating. <laughs> Gave you the answer. So let me ask you. What is the holiest thing in this space right now? Me, myself, and I. Can you say that or you just can't say it? I'm serious. Can you confess what God thinks about you? Can you own, embrace the words that God says about you at this moment and say, and say me, I am the holiest thing here right now? Can you say that? I, can I help you? I am the holiest thing right here, right now. Not because we say it, but because God says it. Amen? Whoa. <laughs> okay. You see, Peter is telling us that we are set apart. And let me be honest with you. When Peter uses the word holy nation, Peter must have been experiencing some kind of transformation. Kathy knows this. Kathy, I called to her because she's a preacher. And as a Presbyterian preacher, she, she knows the Greek. And nation, Kathy, I'm going to tell you, is the word ethnos. Now, for Peter, the word ethnos was a bad word. Mm-hmm. By the way, he didn't call it nations in those days. He called the word ethnos, he used to call it Gentiles. Peter used to use the word Gentiles, and all the Jews used to use the word Gentile as a derogatory term for everybody who isn't like them. And suddenly, Peter here is using a curse word that was cursed because it was in his heart, and he's using it here to include himself, and to include not only Israel, but all the children called who are in Christ. A holy ethnos. That must have been difficult for Peter to say that word, to write it down. Think about it. He is now transformed. The ethnos are all welcome. The ethnos is okay. That is part of the diversity that God created and God called it okay. 
He now can understand the mystery that Paul talks about in Ephesians. It says, that the, what's the mystery of the gospel? Oh, what's the mystery of the gospel? That out of many people, Jesus has made us one. He set us apart to be one as a holy nation, not a nationality. So holiness is a heart dimension. It begins from within and flows outside. It is not, listen, I've been to Alabama once, and this doesn't happen in Georgia. Because <clears throat> I'm now stuck in Georgia, so I, I'm from here now. So, <laughs> so I better not talk about my land. But next door, hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to. Uh -huh. They tell me the taller the hair the closer to God. <laughs> Not in Georgia. <laughs> and, and, and I have been in places that the ladies walk with their big, tall hair and their big, thick, large print Bible. Trying to get taller hair. <laughs> that's not holiness. That's pretentiousness, okay? <laughs> that's pretentiousness. Holiness is even recognizing the pain of my brother and sister and sitting a while next to him or her. Holiness is realizing that the person in the street who is looking for a home may just need a word of encouragement because I really can't do anything else, but I can do that and be Jesus to that person at that moment. Holiness also includes a dimension of morality. We have to deal with that one. That our lives improves in quality. That our lives improves in clarity of who we are and what we are. That we can live transparently. We can sleep and not have to hide because who we are. A holy nation is the church. It's not the government. It is our world. It's not the worldly nation. It is the realm where we live in. Many of us have fused, confused nation with church, nation with spirituality, and it is not the same in any way, shape, or form. A holy nation brings truths and clarity to the people. A holy nation promotes equality, justice, and opportunity for all. That's what we're about in this holy nation that we call Light of Hope. A holy nation thus promote the kingdom of God for everyone. A holy nation, like our church has decided, decides to welcome. And we choose to welcome, and I'm speaking on behalf of that denomination, because we have chosen to welcome refugees. Otherwise, we need to build the wall up north too. Read up on it. It is not a political stance. It is a biblical stance. It takes us beyond our country, beyond our fears, to welcome the so-called enemy. Jesus, a chapter before the one that we read, was in agony. He had been handed over to his accusers when we read this scripture. But before he was handed over, he was praying 
to God in a famous garden called Gethsemane. And, and in that prayer, he prayed for his disciples, but he also prayed for us. And he says, I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm asking you, O oh Father, to take them to take them out of the world, but keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you that you call us to be holy, that you call us to be set apart. And sometimes being set apart means that we have to go against things that are happening in our society. It happened to the writer of the poem that we just read this morning, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who opposed the vilification of the Jews in Germany and suffered the death of a martyr in a concentration camp for standing for God's truth of inclusivity and love and welcoming all. Sometimes we fear and we hope we don't get to that point. And we probably won't. But beyond that sphere of our reality, make us aware that we are your chosen, holy, priest, nation, people. That our job is not to be proudful in what we got, but to share the light that we have been given because we were also once in darkness. Relying in world systems and not in your kingdom that we are a member of. Oh, Lord, that reality is difficult to live as we get in cars and we pay for gas and for dinner. That reality is so difficult to maintain in our minds as we begin to pay bills and taxes, as we react to news, as we are just part of this world that we are not part of. How does that happen, Lord? Teach us to be more about your kingdom and less about the world. Teach us to be more about others and less about ourselves. Teach us to be more for this community and less about the church here. We pray for our sisters and brothers. We pray for the Curly family, for Jim, for the kids. We pray for others in our congregation who are sick and are ill. We pray for those who are traveling precisely to attend memorial services of loved ones. But we also pray for us as we have gathered here this morning, trusting that we're going to listen to your word, uh, trusting that we're okay with you. And you tell us, yeah, you're okay. Thank you, Lord. And we thank you for Jesus who prepared us to not be part of this world, but be members of the kingdom of God who is at hand. The kingdom of God is amongst us. 
and who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.